gonna sit on the sideline or be your own boss, make up your own mind. Find time to shine and uplift. My brothers and sisters co-shooting the gift. This world is in an uproar and it's time for us to break down the door. Stand up in equality, now fight for yours. Man, you tell me. And you tell me. And you tell me. And you tell me. And you tell me. Welcome to the You Tell Me Show. The show where we discuss some of the most interesting topics from the previous week. That's the You Tell Me Show featuring Professor Kaz. this week's episode of the You Tell Me Show, we have topics regarding the court cases going to the Supreme Court regarding the election, Casey Goodson, another black man shot by police, and an interview with Big Love from Rochester, New York regarding black people investing in private prisons. Remember to leave us a message with any thoughts that you have on any of our segments. This is Professor Kaz, and welcome to the You Tell Me Show. Just when you thought all this election fraud mess was over, here we go again. What is wrong with these Republicans? Are they completely delusional? Are they that big of suck-ups to Donald Trump that they are willing to bet their whole political lives on this? I mean, can Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham look more idiotic than they already do for supporting this man so blindly? I remember just four years ago, he drugged them through the mud and talked about them like dogs. Now they run behind him as if it never happened. I know I wouldn't be supporting nobody that did me like that. Well, here's what I'm talking about. You can add some more delusional people to the list, like 17 other Republican-led states and their leaders. Donald Trump is now pushing a controversial bid from Texas. He's asking the Supreme Court for an emergency order to invalidate the ballots of millions of voters in four battleground states, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. I could have sworn that we already been down this road. He's trying to keep the lawsuits flowing in an order to prolong baseless claims that President-elect Joe Biden's victory was somehow illegitimate. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed the lawsuit on Tuesday. The president on Wednesday filed a motion to intervene. This means that he is basically requesting to join the lawsuit and ask for the same result. Remember, 17 GOP states are back in the effort as well. They want these four states reversed so President-elect Joe Biden will now be under 270 electoral votes. They are basically asking the Supreme Court to exercise its rarest form of jurisdiction to effectively overturn the entire presidential election. Are you kidding me? Do they not realize that if they are successful, they may put the country into a revolution? Do they think the American people would just sit by and stand for that, especially the 80-some-odd million that voted for President-elect Biden? Thankfully, so far, the court has shown no desire to intervene in the presidential election. The Supreme Court is going through standard procedural protocols, placing the case on its docket and giving the four battleground states until 3 p.m. Eastern Time Thursday to respond. 
The court could act after those filings arrive or wait until Texas files a brief reply to the arguments made by the battleground states. The justices acted quickly in rejecting the Pennsylvania lawsuit on Tuesday, but they could bide their time as they have in other election-related cases. Now, come on, man. Are you serious? He's going to kick and scream all the way until January 20th when they kick him out the front door? What kind of person is this? We'll be right back. In Columbus, Ohio, last week, a sheriff's deputy working for a fugitive task force shot and killed a black man trying to enter his own home. The officer's name was Jason Meade. The young man's name was Casey Goodson, and he was only 23 years old. And to note, he was not the person the deputy was looking for. Goodson had just returned from Subway, and when he got home and put his key in the lock to his door, he was shot and fell into the kitchen. His five-year-old brother and 72-year-old grandmother witnessed the ordeal. Goodson held a concealed carry permit and was armed at the time of the shooting. Here is the kicker. He was not alleged to have committed any crimes. Apparently, during the task force operation, the deputy reported seeing a man with a gun. They had a verbal altercation before the shooting took place. There were no witness to the shooting and no other officers were on the scene. Get this, there is no body cam footage because the county of Franklin, where the incident took place, does not require officers to wear them. Task force officers in this county are not even issued them. The keys that the young man used to enter his own home were still hanging in the lock of his door hours later. The investigation was turned over to the Ohio Bureau of Investigation on Monday, but they denied the case. Apparently, they have a memorandum of understanding that they must be first called when something like this occurs so they can document the evidence. They weren't called until three days after the incident. Something doesn't smell right about this. It's really becoming all too familiar. One more black man killed by the police, and most likely no one will be brought to justice. He wasn't committing a crime. He was legally carrying a firearm and he was going into his own home. Why was he shot? For walking while carrying a Subway sandwich? This is Professor Cass, and we'll be right back. New incoming Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gasson announced many changes to the criminal justice system as he was sworn into office Monday. He announced an end to the cash bail in the largest county in the country. He was quoted as saying the money bail system is as unsafe as it is unjust. The rich can be dangerous while the poor impose zero threat to society. He went on to say the cash bail system criminalizes poverty as people who are unable to afford bail are detained while they await trial for weeks or even months. He has a strong fight on his hands, although. 
The Los Angeles Police Protective League said in a statement, victims and law-abiding residents lost a voice today while criminals and gang members gained an ally in the prosecutor's office. Gasson is also against the death penalty and vowed that he would not seek the death penalty in any case that comes across his desk. He went as far as saying that even those on death row should have their sentences changed to life without parole instead of the death penalty. He was quoted as saying, the death penalty does not make us safer. It's racist, morally untenable, irreversible, and expensive. And today, it is off the table. He also has another bill on the table that I'm sure will come under criticism from police groups. He plans to reopen dozens of fatal officer-involved shooting cases dating as far back as 2012. He said that a use-of-force review board made up of police experts, civil attorneys, and community members will be convened to help. Now, this next change that he is proposing I will support. The new district attorney said he will immediately end the practice of charging juveniles as adults, striking it down as traumatic and dehumanizing when they're put in a concrete box. I would really love to hear what you think about these changes that the new L.A. County district attorney is proposing. Do you agree or don't you? You tell me. We'll be right back. What's good, my brothers and sisters? I'd like to introduce you to the Street Artist Entertainment pre-production studio. At Street Artist, we specialize in vocal recordings for artists that already have their own music but need a place to record their vocal tracks. If you're in the greater Charlotte area near the border of South Carolina and are in need of recording vocal tracks on your music, contact the Street Artist Entertainment pre-production studio on this podcast message board. Street Artist Entertainment pre-production studio. Your one choice for real, authentic vocal recordings. Now, in this next segment, we discuss whether or not African-American millionaires should invest in private prisons. The story came about because there was a rumor that Michael Jordan invested in private prison stocks. Let's first be clear. Many of you were misled when you first heard this reported. It's the Michael Jordan who works for the Bureau of Environmental Services in Portland, Oregon. Not Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player to live and owner of the Charlotte Bobcats. It's a case of mistaken identity. They are two people from very different backgrounds who just happen to share the same name. I was in my hometown with some of my brothers from the hood and wanted to get their perspective on this. Should African-American millionaires invest in private prisons knowing they disproportionately lock up more black and brown people than anyone else, here are the responses I received. Be warned, some of the content may be explicit. So, on this week's episode, the first question that I asked was, Do you think African-American millionaires should invest in private prisons knowing they disproportionately lock up more black and brown people than anyone else? Here's the response that I got. Is is, um, $20 million in private uh, funds, the private prisons, a good investment? 
Okay. Now, who 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 has something to say about that? Somebody give me twenty million. Shit, because think you think that's a good investment. Because, yeah. yo, if you think about it, if you think about it, every motherfucker that's locked up, they're getting like three thousand or or better a day. So you know the money that private prisons is motherfucking making right now. That's one of the best fucking investments you can make. And then you gotta think about it. Okay, the only fucked up part about it is the governor and all them motherfuckers paid to keep it. Uh, to pay to keep it full. Right. right. Which you know then I mean? goes but directly to police in black communities and black. locking okay. black exactly. people up. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I, what about the morality that. issue? Listen, listen, that. I agree with that. I just said, that's why I said, take all that shit out of it. That's a hell of an investment because that's a 100% return on your money. Right, but you, yeah, but you invested. You're investing in the black people's future right. to fail. That's what you're investing <laughs> exactly. in. No doubt, I understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying it's a good-ass investment. Oh, that's money. You're going to make money off that. That 20 million going to bring you 100 million in the first two years. I bet it do. Easy. Easy. Oh, it absolutely is easy to do that. Instead of, no offense, all the white people putting in money and opening up these prisons, black people put in the money and opened up a prison, then y'all can run it the way the fuck you want it, run it. You know what I mean? You can have it, you can have it do whatever you want it to do. So if, 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 if more people invested in it, you know what I mean, of color, now, my response to this answer was, so your take is that if more black people invested in the private prison system, they could now run the prisons and give better treatment to the inmates as opposed to the treatment that they received today. And here was the response that I received. You know what I mean? You got to think. You can't see. Everybody thinks like, oh, well, you put money in the prison. You just looking for black people to fail. No. First of all, I'm if I invest in anything, it's to make money. Right. You know what I mean? Investment has no feelings in it. I don't have no feelings in investment. I'm looking to make money. You know what I mean? If you if you invest in but but okay, that's just like your four hundred one k. That's just like your four hundred one k, right? If you're not a person that keeps up on that, they can be invested in it, and you don't even know. Right, but, to, but the moral part about yeah. that is is that you don't know. But see, but the moral, but what that's doing is, what that's doing is, but what's that, what that's, what that's doing is, that's making somebody else rich off of your money. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're only getting, what, 8% of it. But you can yeah, only get what you put in, see, they only matching you. So you can only get 8% of the money that they make off of your money. Right. But see, that's not a moral dilemma because you as that individual, you don't realize that your money is being spent that right. way. Right. But how much money is you losing not realizing that your money is being spent that way? Right. They have some very interesting viewpoints. This is a moral and social dilemma. Please leave us a message letting us know what you think about African-Americans investing in private prisons. I'd like to know your thoughts. In short, you tell me. We'll be right back. Our next segment is where we pay homage to our fallen brothers and sisters. These people helped us to laugh and sometimes cry. We enjoyed the entertainment that they brought us or the contributions that they made to our society. They will be greatly missed, and our hearts and prayers go out to their families. Thomas Lister Jr., also known as Tiny, was found dead in his home Thursday after experiencing COVID-19 symptoms. Tiny was best known for his role as Debo in the Friday movie franchise with Ice Cube. 
He was supposed to have gone to a set for a new movie last weekend. However, he called to cancel because he was feeling too weak and had a hard time breathing. The Los Angeles County Office of the Medical Examiner and Coroner's Department said Tiny Lister's death appears to be of natural causes. Tiny was also known as President Lindbergh in The Fifth Element. He had two short professional wrestling stints with Hulk Hogan in the World Wrestling Federation after appearing as Zeus in the 1989 movie No Holes Barred, and he resumed the feud as Z-Gangsta in 1996 for World Championship Wrestling. Tiny was able to accomplish all that he did while being blind in his right eye. Tiny was born on June 24, 1958 in Compton, California to Tommy and Mildred Faye Lister. Ever since his birth, he had a deformed and detached retina in his right eye, causing permanent blindness. He attended Palomar Junior College before transferring to Long Beach City College for his sophomore year. While at Long Beach, he recorded a 52-foot shot foot throw, which helped him earn a scholarship to California State University at Los Angeles. In his senior year, he won the national shot put title with a mark of 61 feet 8 inches. Lister was the 1982 NCAA Division II National Shot Put Champion. After college, Lister competed for the Converse Track Club, eventually raising his shot put mark to 64 feet 3 inches before trying out with the New Orleans Breakers of the USFL. He was cut after two exhibition games and opted to pursue acting instead. Tiny will always be remembered for being a gentle giant off-camera, but known as the classic Bully Debo. Ice Cube tweeted, Rest in peace, Tiny Debo Lister. America's favorite bully was born an entertainer who would pop into character at the drop of a hat, terrifying people on and off-camera, followed by a big smile and laugh. Thank you for being a good dude at heart. I miss you already. Thomas Tiny Lister Jr., our thoughts and prayers are with your family. Have a safe journey home. Rest in heaven. Natalie DeSalle Reed, an African-American actress, passed away this week of colon cancer. Miss Reed starred with Halle Berry in the 1997 movie Baps. The movie was based on two women from Georgia traveling to Los Angeles to try and get money to open their own salon. DeSalle Reed also is known for her work on projects like Medea's Big Happy Family, the TV sitcom Eve, and Def Jam's How to Be a Player. She was a real woman with real character, not what Hollywood has portrayed African-American women to be, but an actual sister. That may be part of the reason why she was often underrated, passed over, or deprived of the platform she truly deserved. Halle Berry, a friend and co-star of Reed's in the movie Baps, was quoted as saying, Natalie taught us love, joy, and humor through her characters. She could never dim her light, and it was infectious. With her, I laughed harder than I've ever laughed before. She showed us it was okay to be goofy and funny while still being sincere and extraordinarily kind. DeSalle Reed got her start in the 1996 film Set It Off and guest starred on Family Matters that same year. Her most recent role was in the 2017 series, You're Killing Me. She was 53 years old. Natalie DeSalle Reed, you will be greatly missed, and our hearts and prayers go out to your family. May you rest in heaven. Well, we've just about come to the end of this week's episode. 
Just a quick update from our first segment today. California voted 55 to 0 in electoral votes to finally confirm President-elect Joe Biden will be the next president. Mr. Donald Trump, you can stop all your frivolous lawsuits and you can get ready to pack your bags. You're leaving on January the 20th. I want to thank my boy from Rochester, New York, Big Love, for his comments today on whether or not we should be investing in the private prison system being black people. This is Professor Cass. I look forward to seeing you next week. And thank you for tuning in to the You Tell Me Show. You're going to sit on the sideline to be your own boss, make up your own mind. Find time to shine and uplift. My brothers and sisters co-shooting the gift. This world is in an uproar and it's time for us to break down the door. Stand up in equality, now fight for yours. Man, you tell me. And 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 you tell me.